Welcome to Practical Christian Living. I'm thankful for that mechanism of repentance that I can go, God, I'm sorry. Have you ever had a thought that all the, immediately you know, that was, a really, that was a really crummy thought? Pride is that way. The man who doesn't struggle with pride doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, we'll see something, hear something, and we'll think a prideful thought. And do you ever just go, Lord, I'm sorry. That mechanism of being able to keep your life right with God. Yes, God is merciful, but He is also a judge. And one day we will all stand before Him. But God allows us to come before Him today and ask for forgiveness, make things right, so that nothing hinders our relationship and our daily walk with Him. Take advantage of God's grace and mercy today. It's unending. With 2 Timothy chapter 4, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Father, we want to thank you. We really are blessed by your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us and be our teacher today. We pray that we have a good understanding as to why you have given us your word. We pray that we would see here clearly what we need to do in these last days. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Bible says that in the last days, knowledge is going to increase and men are going to travel to and fro upon the earth. The end of it's in Daniel chapter 12. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I believe that we are living in the last days because knowledge has increased at such an incredible rate. If you go back just a hundred years to 1910 and consider where we were technology wise and where we are today, it is amazing. And uh, that's only continuing to grow. When, when you think about just how fast phones have changed in the last few years. But not only that, Jesus himself said that Jerusalem was going to be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. And Ezekiel tells us that God foretold that the land of Israel would become barren, that God would scatter the people of Israel, the Jewish people around the earth, but in the last days, he would bring them again back into the nation, that they would be born again in a day, and they were, by the way, March 14th, 1948, born again literally in a day, that he would bring their language back. Hebrew was a dead language that's alive today, and that he would call them from all around the world back into Israel so that I believe we have a clear-cut direction from the Bible that we're living in the last days. Now, the Bible tells us that the last days, and we saw this last week, are perilous times. When the disciples asked Jesus, tell us what the signs of the times are going to be and what the world's going to be like on the day of your return. And Jesus said to them, beware that you are not deceived. Here in the last chapter in 2 Timothy, we were told that in the last days, perilous times are going to come and deceivers are going to go out deceiving and being deceived. There are some people who think that they're right and they're deceiving people and some people who know that they are deceived and they're deceiving people. So you and I have to be careful in these last days that we are not deceived because there's going to be a lot of people preaching a lot of different things. We're going to find out the only way for us to do that is what the reformers called sola scriptura, the Bible alone. 
The reason that they got there was because there was so many bizarre things in history that the church began to believe. The church began to believe all kinds of bizarre things when they didn't have in their mind, if the Bible says it, we believe it. It is true. If the Bible doesn't say it, we don't believe it. Listen, God is transcendent. That's a theological term. That means God's above our finding out. There are things about God that you and I will never know. God is incredible and he's awesome. So there are some that have said, well, God is transcendent. That means the Bible can't tell us everything about God. That means there are things out there about God that are true that the Bible doesn't tell us. So I just want to find out about God the things that the Bible doesn't tell us and find out that are true about him. But here's the problem. If you just want to have a thought, which for some it's scary. All right. So if you just want to, if you want to have a thought and you want to think, what could God be like that the Bible doesn't address? And if you just kind of want to go over that, that's one thing. But when you start teaching what God is like, apart from what the Bible says, you are now guessing and you are proclaiming something that you don't know to be true. And this is happening today in the emergent church. The emergent church is just saying, we're on a journey and we know what the Bible says. And by the way, I'm not persuaded that they do know what the Bible says. Someone who once said, you know, I don't know that there's anything in here that we, we, I don't even read the Bible anymore. He said when he was, he's a teacher, preach. I don't even read the Bible anymore. I don't know that I want to listen to a person teach the Bible who doesn't read the Bible anymore. And what kind of arrogance is it of man who says, my thoughts and my ideas, my philosophy are above the Bibles. I'm going to bring you my thoughts and ideas and I don't even read the Bible anymore. It's a wonder lightning didn't come out and strike him. It's a good thing that God is gracious. And, and the, the arrogance of man, listen, the Bible is so incredible. The Bible is such an incredible book that you could spend your entire life studying it and never begin to scratch the surface. And as you study it, it is alive and it gets inside of you and it changes and it grows and it's food and it's light and it does amazing things and it will not return back void. And tell me, what human philosophy can do that? What could I spend a half an hour telling you about that's not in the Bible that is going to radically transform your life? All I can do is give you my opinions. All I can do is give you my ideas. And they don't mean anything. And tell me, I know this about you guys. Would you rather have, you know, go and hear somebody talk for 35 minutes about enthusiasm? I want to talk today about enthusiasm. How can you give an entire message on enthusiasm? Or would you rather go and hear the Word of God being taught? Now, for you guys, you want to hear the Word. And if you just went someplace, and if I just got up tonight and just said, I just want to talk to you about enthusiasm today. Enthusiasm is so good, and you guys need to be enthusiastic, and you just need to learn about enthusiasm about life. And you just, If I did that, you guys would go, uh, maybe we won't go back again next week. Maybe it's time to find another church. But there is a church in America that teaches those things weekly, and it is the largest church in America. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that not everybody has the same principles that we have when it comes to hearing what is preached. We think, yeah, preach the Bible, teach the word of God. That's what we want to do. But the world doesn't want to hear that. And so Paul, here in the last chapter in 2 Timothy, 
is encouraging Timothy on the kind of pastor that he needs to be. And because we're living in these last days that are perilous times that have come, these are the things that we cannot compromise in. And so he says to him in verse 1, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for us, that we may be with him. The Bible says that we're going to meet him in the air. But Jesus also said the day is coming when he will return and every eye will see him like lightning that flashes from the east to the west. There's coming the day when Jesus will come back to this earth to establish his kingdom and every eye will see him. And when he does, he will judge the earth. This is one of the reasons that I say on a regular basis that God is a judge and he will judge all of mankind for what they have done. All of the violence and brutality that is on the earth today will one day be judged by God. Quite a few years ago, I was driving back from Albuquerque to Tucson. Me and my family had gone down there and I was coming back to do a weekend service and the rest of the family was staying in Albuquerque for a few days. And um, I'm going through really what is the middle of nowhere in the universe. And that is between Hatch and Deming. You guys know that stretch of highway? Any of you guys that have driven it? There, it is the most barren area. The only other barren area that's even close to being as barren is Florence, um, Arizona. It is a barren area. And I had list, there's like three stations. There was an oldie station, there was a country station, and there was a talk station. So I had listened to as much country, Western music as I could stand. I realize some of you guys love it. No offense, all right? But I listened to as much of it as I could stand. I couldn't listen to oldies music anymore. And so I started listening to the talk show and they had a psychic on there. So they were, she was getting calls and she was giving them readings. So I'm listening to what she's saying and I'm kind of clucking my tongue at it as she's talking. But somebody called her up and said, listen, you're a psychic. So can you tell us what's true about God? Because you're a psychic. Who's right about God? Because you're a psychic. Well, first of all, when you ask a psychic what she thinks about God, remember, God has told us what he thinks about psychics, right? They are an abomination, God said. And so when you ask a psychic what she thinks about God, I'm not sure you're going to get a really good answer from that. But here's what she said. Well, my psychicness, I can't remember her exact wording, but I'm just going to give you a paraphrase it. My psychicness doesn't work that way. I can't tell you what God is really like. And I know that's not a word. I made it up. All right. Um, but here's what I know about God. He's not a judge. And I thought, that's interesting. Why would she pick that area? He's not a judge. Because the world doesn't want to think that they're going to have to stand before him one day and be judged. We will all be judged before God. And listen, if you're not really sincere about God, if you've got hypocrisy in your life, God is so merciful and God is gracious and when we turn and repent, I'm so thankful for what I call the mechanism of repentance. It is awesome because all of us sin. I realize there's some of you here that think that you don't, but you do. And we can pretend if you want to. We could stick our nose up in the air and we could look down at people. We go, yes, I'm more spiritual than anybody else. And I, I don't sin. But you have the sin nature inside of you. And sometimes somebody says something and you respond in a sinful way. It's just because that's your nature. You say, well, not me. Well, excuse us. That, now you, for the rest of us, we do, okay? And I'm thankful for that mechanism of repentance that I can go, God, I'm sorry. Have you ever had a thought that all the, immediately you know that was, a really, that was a really crummy thought? Pride is that way. 
The man who doesn't struggle with pride doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, we'll see something, hear something, and we'll think a prideful thought. And do you ever just go, Lord, I'm sorry. That mechanism of being able to keep your life right with God, keep that repentance, make sure everything is right, because one day you will stand before him we talked about mistreating people this last week in our Sunday study. If you're abusing and mistreating people, you, know, you need to repent because one day you will stand before the judge of this universe and you will have to answer for everything that you've done. And you now have an opportunity to get things right, to repent and to make things right. Well, he says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and the kingdom. Preach the word be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Remember the context of chapter four comes out of chapter three, which is in the last days, perilous times are going to come where deceivers go out deceiving and being deceived. And then he says, preach the word. As a minister, and I wanna remind you, when we think of a minister, we think about a pastor, but everyone is a minister. There is no distinction in the Bible between those who are in ministry and those who aren't. We all are in ministry. We are all filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that in the Old Testament time, God poured out His Spirit on prophets and priests and kings and leaders. But in the last days, He's going to pour out His Spirit on all men. And so you and I have been called to preach the Word. Preach men's philosophies? It's not what he said. Preach your own ideas. It's not what he said. Go on a journey and discover things together. It's not what he said. Little emergent reference there, by the way. No, he said, preach the word. Anything other than the word of God cannot save people. Yes, there are things about God that you can't find within the Word of God, but everything that we need to know about God to make us complete, thoroughly equipped, lacking for in nothing, is in the pages of Scripture. Some of the biggest churches in America today are churches that do not preach the Word. We are living in those last days. Preach the Word. Then he says, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready at all times. Are you ready to share your faith at, at, at any time? Are you looking for the Holy Spirit to lead you? Do you have an expectancy that God is going to use you? I really believe that that's part of faith. Part of faith is saying, you know what, Lord, I believe you're going to give me an opportunity to tell someone about you today. And if you can have that expectancy, if you can have that kind of an anticipation, I believe that God will open up those doors. If you have a heart to say, Lord, I want to tell someone about you and you begin to pray for people, you begin to call out to God, God opens up opportunities. Be ready in season and out of season. Look for the opportunities to be able to share Christ with those that you come into contact with. He says, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Convince, taking time to convince people. Some people will not be convinced. Others are convinced more easily. But part of our job is convincing and rebuking and exhorting. Rebuking and exhorting. There's a time to rebuke. There's a time for to say, as I just did a little while ago, listen, if you're some kind of a abusive action in your life today, then turn from it and repent. There's a time to rebuke, but there's also a time to exhort. Exhorting is encouraging, lifting people up, stirring them up. I, I've said before, it's easy to rebuke, 
It's hard to encourage. Encouraging people is difficult. Rebuking people is easy. To go over pile them, shame, 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 shame. <laughs> I can pretty much go in about five minutes and I could rebuke, you know, uh, from the pulpit. I could rebuke myself. I could rebuke you. I could rebuke people out on the sidewalk. I could rebuke everybody. People could leave feeling down and out and, you know, and sometimes that's needed. Sometimes we need to hear those things. It's easy to do. But encouraging is a hard thing. Exhorting and lifting people up. But we convince, we rebuke, and we exhort. That's part of what we do. And then he says, with all long-suffering, patience and teaching. There's the proclamation, there's preaching, and there's teaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the truth. It's just giving the Word of God out. There, there comes a point in every study where there's proclamations. I, I love at times to just take a certain topic or point in the study and just quote five or six scriptures around one point. To me, I think those are some of the most powerful times in a study. Just God's word, re reinforcing a statement. God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word. And sometimes you just state a truth. That's proclamation. And you might say, well, I don't believe it. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. You proclaim it. Sometimes I have no desire to try to convince you in something, but just to say that it is true, just to make the statement and proclaim it. Then there's teaching. And teaching is to get an understanding about why something's the way it is, the dividing of Scripture, why Scripture backs it up, and exactly what it means. So he says, with teaching, and then verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Don't you think that that time has come when men do not endure sound doctrine and they have itching ears? It's just certain things they want to hear. They want to hear about positive things. They want to hear about enthusiasm. They want to hear uh, more of a, of a positive kind of a motivational speaker. Then they want to hear the word of God preached. We live in that time. A few years ago, I was watching, uh, just on the internet, a um, Q&A board at a pastor's conference. The conference had gone on and they had the Q&A board and they were, you know, you could just go on and watch it. So I was just watching the questions these pastors were asked and what their answers were. There's one of those pastors that was there that had spoken at the conference. And when somebody asked him a question, he said, well, what I really want to do is just itch people's ears. The Bible says that they're going to heap up teachers that will itch that. I just want to itch people's ears. He had taken it totally wrong. He had thought it was a good thing that people had itching ears and that he wanted to itch them. I don't think he meant that, by the way. And uh, Greg Laurie was on the panel and Greg was sitting next to this guy. And Greg literally did one of these. And you could see him trying to politely correct it. He didn't want to just call the guy out and go, you are whack with that verse. Let me tell you what that verse is. So he politely kind of reframed so people knew that itching ears is not a good thing. If you go, well, I go someplace where they say what I want to hear. I have certain things I want to hear. Then it's not a good thing. That's the world in the day that we're living. We could even say that's a picture of the church in the day that we are living, when most of the people who go to church aren't Christians. Most of those who find themselves in churches have never been born again. They think they're okay because they go to church. They think they're okay because they belong to a denomination. They think they're okay because they've been baptized or whatever else it is, instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And it says in verse four, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's why we need to stick with the truth of the word of God. Because what can fables do for you? Are fables alive? Are they sharper than any two-edged sword? Are fables milk and meat that you can grow by? Anything that people come up with is fables. That's why the guy who says, I don't know, I don't even read the Bible anymore. The preacher who says, I don't even read the Bible anymore. I don't know, I want to find some other things for us to learn and grow. Do you really want to hear from that guy? Do you want anything? To, does he have anything to offer but fables? But you, he says, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Let people around you know about Jesus. Now, I not only think that this is a message for pastors, I think pastors need to do the work of an evangelist. It is a sad state when someone says, don't preach the gospel. What about Mark 16? What is it, 1616? Preach the gospel to every creature. Just so that you might think there's some men that you're not supposed to preach to. Preach it to every creature. Preach the gospel to your dog, to your cat. Obviously, that's not what it means, but it does use that word to get a big sense of it. See, there are those today in what is called Reformed theology, which teach two doctrines. One is called limited atonement, and the other one is irresistible grace. These two doctrines are the main reason that I cannot be a full-on Calvinist. Irresistible grace and limited atonement. Here's what it means. Irresistible grace means there are some people who are saved from the time that they're born. They're chosen by God to be saved and they cannot be lost. Doesn't matter what they do. They're gonna be saved in the end. And then limited atonement, there are some people who are lost who cannot be saved. So that someone in Reformed theology will look in this room and say, there are some of you here and you guys are, are lost and you can't be saved. There's nothing you can do to be saved. You're lost. And when you get upset about it and say, wait a minute, that's not fair. They're going to go, who are you to question God? They're going to quote Romans 9 to you. But Romans 9 is in the context of the nation of Israel being removed from God for a time, the church being grafted in, and then Israel being regrafted in. Even the passage they're covering has someone removed and regrafted. The very passage that, that they're saying. And then you go to chapter 10 and it says, believe and you will be saved. And if anyone believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth, then they shall be saved. Romans 10 goes on to say, how are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose life and live. The Bible says in two different places, God desires all men to be saved and all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then they go, well, that all there doesn't mean all. <laughs> really? It's like President Clinton. All depends on what your definition of is is. You start trying to put those kinds of twists on things. Well, all doesn't mean all men. All means all of the elect. You've got certain problems. And so they'll say of Calvary, well, you know, Calvary just gives altar calls to people. Like it's a bad thing. Isn't that crazy? I understand their theology and they're scared to death that the gospel might be preached to someone who's not, not saved. What kind of theology is that, by the way? 
that says, don't preach because that person might not be saved and you might be giving false hope. The guy's on his way to hell. You believe he's going to hell. Why can't you preach to him? Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.